You're listening to Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. All right, coming at you on the Calgary Flames game day. Flames and the Dallas Stars wrapping up their season series tonight at the Scotiabank Saddledome. Our Flames coverage starts at 6 o'clock tonight with the one and only Pat Steinberg on your Flames warm-up. 7 o'clock, Derek Wills and Megan Mickelson on the call right here on your home of the Flames, Sportsnet 960, The Fan. We are live in the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studios right now. For our friends at Doug Lacey's Basement Systems, Cracked Foundation, Boeing Foundation Walls, they have a simple permanent solution to stabilize your foundation. Contact Basement Systems. They are all things basement-y. Visit dlbasementsystems.com. Hour one in the books, including checking in on a game day for the Calgary Flames where Jacob Markstrom will get the start in goal. We heard from Ryan Huska, Blake Coleman, and A.J. Greer. If you missed any of that, check it out on the Hour One podcast wherever you get your favorite pods. But right now, kicking off Hour Two, taking a look at the opposition and getting to double dip a bit on this one too. First of all, very happy that we get to chat with Saad Youssef from The Athletic covering the Dallas Stars, the opponent tonight for the Calgary Flames. But it's also... Thursday night football saw and we got the Cowboys and the Seahawks so I get to double dip on topics with you how are you man I'm doing great how are you guys doing we're doing awesome uh do you have the two screen thing going tonight where's the the focus for an athletic writer who covers the Cowboys and the Stars on a double game day well, it'll be one screen because I'll be at the Cowboys game at AT&T Stadium and, and I'll be keeping an eye on the, on, on the Calgary game as well. So uh, one screen, but yes, it'll, it'll definitely be uh, attention divided for sure. Uh, I do want to talk to you about the Dallas Stars, the opponent for the Flames tonight, but I do uh, I can't miss the opportunity to ask you about tonight's game. feels like a, a big one for the Cowboys who have, uh, I guess, kind of been painted as a team that hasn't beaten anybody of substance this year uh, despite having an 8-3 and three record. Does it feel that way covering this team right now, Saad, that they've been good, but they don't have a track record to prove it? Yeah, a little bit. And actually, you know, what's funny is, you know, as someone that covers the Stars and the Cowboys, it's kind of a narrative that followed the Stars around, has kind of really been around the Stars as well. But, um, but yeah, as it pertains to the Cowboys, um, you, you know, you can only play who's on your schedule. And the Cowboys really haven't had uh, really haven't had a whole lot of opponents um, that are really good on their schedule. Uh, they really only had two, and it was the 49ers where they got you know blown out, and then the Eagles, which I know you know they didn't win the game, but they had a really really strong showing against the Eagles. So I almost you know would hold that to the detractors and say that I wouldn't say the Cowboys you know melted away and didn't show up against the good teams because. They were right there against the Eagles. But, you know, they got this game against the Seahawks, who were a winning team. And then after this, um, it, you know, it's going, to be, it's going to be truth time to see if the Cowboys really are, um, you know, what their record says they are because uh, their, their schedule the rest of the way, I believe, is the second most difficult in the, in the NFL. Uh, yeah, as I look now, Philly, Buffalo, Miami, Detroit, and Washington. Uh, I would be hard-pressed to say that there's a team with a harder – uh, five games coming up than Dallas would have there. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So, and, and not only are the opponents tough, but you know, you have Philadelphia, Detroit at home, but then you also have the, you know, Christmas game against Miami, which is going to be in tropical weather. You have the game before that in Buffalo, which is going to be in frigid <laughs> weather. 
So it's gonna, it, they're gonna be all over the place. <laughs> yeah, they sure are. That's a good point. I didn't even think about that. It's one thing going from uh, indoor stadium to indoor stadium, but yeah, the the week to week around the holidays from Buffalo to Miami is gonna be a a bit of a shell shocker for the Cowboys when they get to that one. Uh, looking forward to tonight's game. Should be a lot of fun uh, for the Cowboys and the Seahawks. But of course, here in Calgary. Uh, we're focused in on the Stars and the Flames. They're closing out their season series tonight, Saad. Uh, I, I guess as you look at this Dallas team as a whole as we interaction tonight, uh, what's kind of been the, the storyline for you about what's gotten Dallas to this point as we're just about to close out the month of November and head into December here? Yeah, I mean, first of all, when you say that, it just sounds so crazy that they're closing out the season series on November 30th. <laughs> yeah. But, but, but yeah, I mean, you know, for the Stars, it's been a lot of, it's been a lot of relying on their goaltending and defense, but not to the extent that, you know, they have in the past or they did against Calgary, uh, you know, a, a year ago or a year and a half ago in the playoffs. It's not, it's not that the offense hasn't showed up, but it's, it's interesting because the offense has kind of just been in flux. The power play was absolutely atrocious for the first month of the season. I mean, it was, it was one of the worst power plays in the NHL, which is, crazy to think after they were a top five unit last year and made very little personnel changes on the units. But then uh, the top line also kind of got off to a slow start. Uh, they weren't bad, but they weren't their usual, you know, elite selves. But while the, the top line of Robertson, Hintz, and Pavelski is figuring things out, Matt Duchesne has been an absolute, um, you know, fine for the stars. It's incredible that they got him on a one-year $3 million deal in free agency because he has been maybe a top three. Four, he's been one of their top three forwards, but maybe even their top one or two most consistent forwards this season. And so, uh, with him, uh, you know, centering that line with Tyler Sagan, Mason Marchman, that line has been the best line in Dallas this season uh, consistently. And that, and you know, I'm sure you guys are well aware the fact that you have Robertson, Hintzavelski, and there's another line that's better just tells you the kind of depth they have in their top six. Uh, yeah, and I believe that top six doesn't even include a guy that uh, has done some damage against the Flames this year, and that's Wyatt Johnston, who at 20 years old is uh, closing in on 10 goals in his first 20 games this season. He's been outstanding for Dallas. Yeah, he, he's he's taken that next step as well, and, and you know, there's always that question with the sophomore slump of, you know, what, you know, what a player is going to be like, but Wyatt Johnston, I do believe that, you know, when you look around the league and you look at someone like Matty Beniers and you know, other guys like that, why it does have the luxury of, you know, as we've kind of discussed, um, there's so much talent on the stars that you can't just key on Wyatt Johnston and try to stop him because there's so much, so much other firepower, but uh, Wyatt is definitely doing his part. And now he's, uh, he, his role is increasing too. He's, his play is getting better, but he's one of the top penalty killers for the stars this season. Uh, something that he didn't even do until Christmas last year. So He's becoming an all-round player for the Stars, and uh, his his you know partnership with Jamie Ben on that line has been really really good this year. And I imagine too having the the veteran presences around that we've talked about, and even bringing in Matt Duchesne, who like you mentioned has been red hot for them this season. But that also kind of, as you know, Saad puts Wyatt Johnson maybe in some more favorable matchups as well knowing that he doesn't have to center the, the second line if you want to in Dallas. He can maybe take advantage of, of uh, being a better third line in, uh, against other teams. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, th- it's kind of funny because he still lives with Joe Pavelski. And if you remember uh, back in the day in San Jose, that was kind of Pavelski's thing too, where, you know, he was 
he was he was on the third line, but it was one of the better third lines in the NHL. And I think you know I I, I don't have enough of a pulse on the rest of the league off the top of my head to know if you know uh, Ben Johnston and Dadnov is one of the best third lines in the league. But you know it's got to be up there because as you said, why it's been playing well. And and by the way, another side benefit of all of this is that uh, well, Jamie Ben has kept playing well as well. I mean last year. He had a really redemptive year, but there was a lot of talk of, you know, is it a fluke? Is it just kind of, you know, a one-year thing? And he's been really good uh, along with Wyatt Johnson. So that matchup uh, for, for Wyatt, um, like you said, against the other team's depth players, whether it be their defensive pairs or forwards, has been really productive for Dallas. Uh, I, I have to ask you, as a guy that covers the Stars, what it's like to continually watch Joe Pavelski and at 39 39- comes into Calgary, and look, we know about him here in Calgary. He's been a flame killer from before his early days in San Jose, and he's continued it uh, as a member of the Dallas Stars. But, I mean, year after year, the consistent production, the availability to be out there. I mean, to say he's he's a point-per-game guy at 39 years old playing on the top line for the Dallas Stars, what's it like covering and What's the key to success for Joe Pavelski in Saad Yusuf's mind? Oh, it's absolutely consistency. And, and you know, we asked Pete DeBoer about him so much, and Pete obviously has a longstanding relationship with him. Um, Joe Pavelski was his captain uh, in San Jose. So um, uh, whenever we do ask Pete DeBoer about him, he always kind of says one thing, and, and it's really something that I think whether you're a coach, a, a media member, a fan, whatever, it kind of all resonates the same. And Pete always says, you just, you just kind of start taking it for granted sometimes. And you, you don't realize how special it is what you're watching. I mean, you mentioned it right now. Joe Pavelski is the sole top scoring leader for the Dallas Stars right now on a team that has Jason Robertson, who scored 109 points, Miro Haskinen, who is one of the top defensemen in the league, Rope Hintz, who's probably one of the best two-way forwards in the NHL, and it's Joe Pavelski with 20 points in 20 games that leads this team in scoring. And so when, when I see him, for me, it's the consistency. I mean, you know, you go and, and watch him. You know, I was watching him on the road all last year as well. I haven't been on the road as much this year. But watching him at home, it's the same thing every single time. He's out 20 minutes before morning skate. He usually brings a defenseman out with him. Typically, it's Nils Lundqvist or Joel Hanley. They set up all the pucks at the blue line. He sets up in front. Ty Delandria and another forward uh, will, will join him at the net front, and he's tipping pucks 20 minutes before morning skate starts. And then after morning skate begins, it's the same routine. It's the same flow. There's so much consistency to what Joe Pavelski does on the ice, off the ice, the way that he eats, the way he takes care of his body, the way he goes about it. Um, I think that's the thing that hasn't changed. And I always tell this story, and I may have even said it to you guys uh, in, in a previous appearance or something, but you know, I talked to Brent Burns uh, a couple years ago about Joe Pavelski when I did a feature on him. And, and, you know, what Brent Burns told me, I was like, I asked Brent, who, who has, you know, obviously been with him in a long time in San Jose. And I said, how does he keep doing this? And uh, Brent Burns said, well, you can't really lose a step if you never had one. And <laughs> that's the thing with Joe Pavelski is he never really was this, you know, high-flying, fast skater rocket shot, none of that stuff. And so he's been able to stay consistent his whole career. And, and I think that's what's kind of led to his success. Yeah, it's funny. That's a, it's a great story. And it's one that probably more appreciated in the hockey world, knowing that he's not, you're right, he's never a, 
a top-end burner, but probably goes to show just how smart a guy like Joe Pavelski is because he's adapted to everything, adapted to you know his age, and I'm sure the changes in his body as he approaches 40, but maintained that same level of success. It's for for Calgary, it's it's a double-edged sword. It's great to watch him, um, but it usually means that he's doing some sort of damage against the Flames. He's been so so good, and it's cool to see him continuing that uh, this season with Dallas. It's weird. Uh, we're getting ready for tonight. It seems like Scott Wedgwood's going to get the start tonight uh, for Dallas as they uh, picked up a 2 nothing win against Winnipeg. Jake Ottinger got the shutout against Winnipeg. Any surprise for you that we're not seeing Jake tonight? I know the weirdest thing is looking at Jake Ottinger and his stat line against Calgary, Sod, because you mentioned that playoff series where he was historic out of his mind, and that's what we think about in Calgary all the time, but... His numbers against the Flames don't actually shine out all that well. It's one of the few teams he struggled with in his career when it comes to the regular season. And I would say it raised a couple eyebrows around here at Morning Skate for Dallas that Scott Wedgwood appears to be the guy that they're going with tonight. Yeah, I mean, I mean, look no further than the than less than a week ago when he let in six goals and had a you know save percentage of seven sixty something or something like that. So you're absolutely right. It's not like this has been some sort of you know, career-long dominance of Jake Ottinger over the Flames. Uh, what I will say, though, as someone who, you know, I, I talked to Jake about this. I've talked to the goaltending coach, Jeff Reese. Um, I'm sure it, some of it factors in that, you know, it is the Flames and, you know, looking at the history and not having all the success. But the Stars are making a very, very concerted effort this year of limiting Jake Ottinger's time on ice. And I say time on ice because it's not just about games. They're when when he's not playing, they try to not even let him go out for morning skate. They don't even want him practicing um, unless unless you know he has to, or they don't want him to get rusty. But they're really trying to limit how much time he's spending on the ice because last year uh, there was no hockey player in the league that spent more time on the hockey on the ice last year than Joe uh, than uh, than Jake Ottinger between the regular season and the playoffs and. The stars saw what that what happened because of that, where Jake Ottinger wasn't his usual self in the playoffs either. So um, they're making a very strong effort to make sure there's more of a balance between Ottinger and Wedgwood. And the goal in Dallas is to make sure that Ottinger is absolutely at his peak and as and at his best come April. Of course, you don't want to sacrifice wins in November and December in doing that. But like you said, Jake Ottinger did just start the Calgary game on Saturday. I mean, if I'm not mistaken, he's, he started the last three games for Dallas, Yeah. Um, you know, against Vegas, against Calgary, against Winnipeg. So I, I think it's more of just a coincidence that it is time for, uh, on, for Wedgwood's turn in the rotation. I uh, saw Yusuf along with us from the athletic, uh, taking a look at the opposition tonight for the Calgary flames. It's the Dallas stars for the third and final time. Uh, we talked about a lot of good things with the Dallas Stars so far. So they've been strong on the road. They've only got one regulation loss in the on the road this season. They're top three coming into tonight on the penalty kill. When you look at this team from the other perspective, I guess, where would you say that you, you can see some room for improvement with this Stars team as we get into sort of the closer to the middle part of the season, I'd say? Yeah, I mean, there's definitely a few areas that come to mind. I think, first of all, like I said, you want to, they definitely want to get more from Jason Robertson, um, which, again, is kind of crazy to say. He's 19 points in 20 games. He's not having a bad year. But at 5-on-5, five five, he's really been struggling. A lot of his 
points have come on the power play. So Jason Robertson is definitely a player they want to get going. Um, the other thing is that the Stars have really struggled this year to put together 60 minutes. And, you know, again, look no further than the Calgary game yeah. uh, less than a week ago. Um, and, and if you look at, you know, what the Stars have done for the first, I want to say, you know, 15 games, they just could not get off to a good start. Their first periods were terrible. They were one of the worst teams, um, you know, in, uh, to open a game. And then all of a sudden, two weeks ago against Colorado, they get off to a 3 nothing lead and lose 6-3. to Then the same thing happens against Calgary. They get out to a 4-2 lead, lose 7-4. to So for the, for the Stars, they really have to figure out, um, you know, putting together 60-minute games consistently in the NHL. Pete DeBoer talked about it. It's not easy to do. So, it, you know, it's not that they need to put together uh, complete 60 minutes of dominance throughout but they can't just have complete no-show meltdowns, whether it's at the start of games or late in games. And that's something that, you know, they really are emphasizing a lot internally is, is how they're able to play and, and not lose the game because they just kind of no-showed for two minutes here or there because every team in the NHL, most teams in the NHL are just too good uh, to have those kind of sleepy moments again. So I think individually, Robertson is someone that they want to get going, but as a team, it's more about playing that 60 minutes of hockey which really, to be honest with you, they haven't done a whole lot of this season. Uh, as good as the record is, you know, they've been, they've been relying on a lot of really hot, hot starts or, or sorry, hot spurts throughout the game. Uh, before I let you go, Side, uh, I like asking this question to guys that cover the team. Uh, for Calgary fans uh, watching or going to the game tonight, anybody under the radar on this Dallas team you want to shine a spotlight on that maybe we haven't talked about somebody that you've been impressed with this year? Uh, that's a good question. Um, I, I would say, you know, I would say Thomas Harley. Thomas Harley is a player who, because Miro Haskin is as good as he is, and, you know, Dallas just doesn't have a whole lot of defenseman depth, which, by the way, is also interesting because um, whenever Stars fans, you know, I, I've kind of got this a lot in the last month, that Stars fans watch the Flames. It's a lot of just <laughs> scouting for what the trade deadline could look like for uh, I mean, they're watching the game, they're watching Stars Flames, but they're really into, you know, watching Hannafin and uh, Tanev and, yeah. and those guys. So, um, so you know, for, for the Dallas Stars, that's, you know, that, that's what a lot of Stars fans are looking at. But for Flames fans, I would say Thomas Harley, along those same lines, he's been really good. And if you watch the way that he plays with and without the puck, uh, the subtle plays, the subtle movements, um, there's a lot of Miro Haskin into his game. It's just not as high of a level, but uh, I, I think that he's someone who's really impressed and has continued to get better. Awesome stuff. So I'd really appreciate the time. Great uh, insight on the stars as always. Appreciate you letting us get a couple NFL ones in there as well. And I appreciate you spending some time. I know it's a busy one. Uh, have fun covering the uh, Cowboys game tonight. Uh, and I can't wait to chat again with you soon, pal. Awesome. Sounds good. Thanks always for having me. Anytime. Saad Youssef joining us down the Atlas Beach and sports bar guest hotline this afternoon. He covers the stars and the Cowboys for The Athletic. You can find him on Twitter at SaadYusuf126. And, of course, find his great work at The Athletic. Doubleheader for uh, for Saad tonight. Uh, Cowboys-Seahawks is your Thursday night football matchup. that kicks off at 6.15. And then at uh, 7 o'clock, of course, it's the Stars and the Calgary Flames for the final time this season. They're going to wrap up their season series against Dallas and get set for uh, every other opponent on the schedule. Uh, Flames, of course, 7-4 winners in Dallas. Last week, it's Wedgwood v. Markstrom, your expected goaltenders for tonight. 
I'm going to say expected for the rest of the season um, ever since Monday when Jacob went down with that illness. I'm going to just go projected or expected so that way uh, I can't get burned if, it, if someone comes down with a last-minute illness. But we're expecting uh, Wedgwood and Markstrom to be your starting goaltenders tonight. Same lines and deep pairings that we've seen uh, from Ryan Huska's group the last couple of nights out. Of course, this per our pal Pat Steinberg, uh, host of Flames Talk and Flames Hockey here on Sportsnet 960. Mange, Lindholm, Sharon Govich, Zeri, Pospisil, and Kadri. Huberto with Backlund, Coleman, Greer with Ruzichka and Dubé. Uyghurs with Anderson, Hannafin with Tanev, Gilbert is with Zadorov. We'll take a break, come back on the other side, put a wrap on the program for this Thursday. Continue getting you set for the Stars and the Flames. It's a game day here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. It's a game day here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan, Flames and the Dallas Stars. Quick reminder, if you're heading down to the Dome, there is still transit construction going on at the Stampede transit stations as they begin to unveil that fancy new C-Train station by the BMO Center. So you'll have to take a shuttle from a different C-Train station or walk or drive and park, whatever you prefer. Just be aware that you can't take the C-Train tonight if you're going to the Flames and the Dallas Stars. If you want to listen to the Flames and the Stars, 6 o'clock, Patrick Steinberg. Old Patty, DJ Powerplay. Who? Yeah. I never heard of this guy. He only comes to work events for like 10, 15 minutes and he leaves. And yeah. He's, he's, got, he's too cool for... He's got cool things to do. He can't be seen with us common folk for too long out in public. It'll ruin his public image, so... <laughs> Wouldn't want to do that. That's okay. But he'll be uh, hosting your Flames warm-up tonight. He's a lovely man. He'll uh, tell you all you need to know. Talk about things like the power play, I'm sure. Because it's been bad. I can see that coming up. Yeah, it could be a topic. You know, bottom 25-ish. Jacob, yeah. Jacob Markstrom getting the start. I'm sure they'll talk about that. Pretty lots, good. Lots of fun stuff. You don't want to miss it. I sold it to you. I think I've sold it to you. That's a that's a damn good sell. Yeah, you you don't you miss it. Have you ever done door to door sales? You really should. Mm. No. <laughs> glad you glad you decided to use your mic today, Cam. Yeah, you're welcome. I was I was listening very attentively well, this entire show as per usual. Once a year ain't bad. Once a year ain't too bad. Uh, we, that's we Cameron Hughes, one of my. Outstanding producers. Taylor Dingman is the other. One of them is outstanding. One of them is simply standing. We're both seated. <laughs> Sorry about it. I don't know, man. <laughs> uh, more on the Flames and the Stars in a little bit. Uh, but do want to change our focus uh, for a little bit here. Last night, some breaking news in the CFL. The Saskatchewan Rough Riders appear to have made their final decision when it comes to who the next head coach will be in Regina, who's going to take over for Craig Dickinson. And it appears to be a familiar face after a couple years running the defense in Toronto. Corey Mace, friend of the program, friend of the station, friend of Calgarians, period, is going to get a chance to be a head coach in the CFL. So well-deserved. Still waiting for the official announcement, but 
all the insiders, Arash Madani, Justin Dunkel will hear from in a moment. Um, Farhan Lalji, they've been all over it last night. And uh, really, really excited for Corey. It's a well-deserved opportunity. I think this is a, a slam dunk hire for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders who need to, I think, need a culture reset, need a a guy that can come in and command respect in that locker room. And Mace has done it all from time in the NFL to the CFL as a player. He's worked his way up as a coach. He's been respected along the way. And I think he's going to do a hell of a job in Saskatchewan. I'm hoping that we're going to get to chat with Corey next week sometime uh, once the official announcement has uh, been made by the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. But for now, uh, we're just dealing with the fallout of that soon-to-be announcement. And uh, our pal Justin Dunk from 3 Down Nation, who was on this story from the beginning, uh, joined our pal Patrick Dumont, hour four of the big show. Uh, wherever you get your podcast, you can find that. Uh, Google, Amazon, Spotify, or your favorite podcatcher if you want to listen to the whole thing. But uh, Justin joined Patty to talk about the fallout of this decision, how it happened for Corey Mace to get the job, a bit on Buck Pierce, who appears to be the runner-up in this scenario. Of course, looks like he'll remain as the offensive coordinator for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, but uh, this uh, will no doubt set a bit of a trickle-down effect across the CFL. But that's where they started this conversation, Justin Dunk. Three Down Nation and our pal Patty Dumas from the big show uh, on Corey Mace and the hiring process for him to become the next head coach of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. It was a situation where there were two finalists, Buck Pierce and Corey Mace, and I don't think you could really go wrong with either one. I mean, you still have to see a Mace. Get the sense in talking to people around the league that there's a building consensus for you know, well over a year now, the Mace was ready for this. So people believe he's ready to lead a team, and he's kind of done everything, I don't want to say right, because that's a big cliche, but to be prepared for this moment. So I absolutely think the Riders hit a home run here, getting Mace to be their head coach. You get, uh, sounds like Mark Mueller, Calgary's offensive coordinator, uh, spent time obviously in Regina as a Regina Ram quarterback. He's a hometown boy as well. Sounds like he's going to be the uh, Corey Mace's offensive coordinator. Based on all I've heard, that seems to be the case. And it's interesting considering that Mueller turned down even entertaining that opportunity a year ago. And a large part of that was due to uh, the coaching, the coaching, excuse me, uncertainty around Tech Dickinson and only being able to sign a one-year contract. Mm-hmm. This will be a multi-year contract with a guy that he knows really well in Mace, and they've spent time together, obviously, in Calgary. Uh, so now now that the coach is in place, uh, what has to be number one priority in, in riding this ridership? Obviously, it's been uh, last two years not gone great. You know, you were hosting the Grey Cup you got last year. Uh, you need to make the playoffs. And, or, and then now what do you've got this year? Not even making the playoffs. So what is priority number one for Corey Mace to, to figure out uh, getting Saskatchewan right again? You know, I think the first priority, and the Riders have already done this by finally moving on from Craig Dickinson and hiring Corey Mace, is just forget about the recent past. That was a totally different era yep. for this team. They had moved on from Cody Fajardo and Jason Moss. Those two go elsewhere in Winnipeg, or excuse me, not Vegas Cup, a great cup. In Montreal, the Carabao won the Vanier Cup. So I think that's the first most important step here is moving on from that recent era, having Mace in there, and then him creating 
a culture there in Saskatchewan because I don't think there really was one there, especially last year under Dickinson. No. And I think it was a group of individuals trying to call themselves a team. So I think that is first and most important for Mace is creating a culture there of winning. Uh, your colleague, uh, Arash Madani, you, you worked with him over on Sportsnet of the Grey Cup. He uh, had a little tweet this morning now that uh, Corey Mace is now out of Toronto as defensive coordinator. Is Jerry Glanville seriously a rumored destination to be a defensive coordinator with the Toronto Argonauts? You know, if Arash does it, then <laughs> I'm sure he's at least in the mix. He's 82! crazy thing, but he's so old that people are like, well, he wants to be, you know just retired and probably on the golf course or whatever it is, but the guy loves football. Yeah, He has been up here. He was with the Tiger Cats when June Jones was their head coach. So the defense was pretty good in that iteration. So you know, I certainly think he's in the mix, but I think the other name that Arash mentioned, Jason Shiver, yes. is one that I've heard connected <laughs> with the Argos, but you know, I think they're kind of going to look around here at potential other people that they could at least talk to about that position. There's been a lot of talk behind the scenes about Jordan Younger, who's been with the Bombers yep. for a while, but Richie Hall's a longtime defensive coordinator there. So Younger with those Argos ties, you would think there would at least be a discussion there with Michael Pinball Clemens. Those two go way back in sharing time together with the Argonauts. So I think those are at least a few of the names in the mix. Uh, yesterday, some news as well uh, that uh, out in Victoria, they'll be hosting Touchdown Pacific, uh, the BC Lions hosting the Ottawa Red Blacks. Uh, this is just, you know, a part of the CFL's campaign to get football from coast to coast. Uh, what can you tell me about this Touchdown Pacific? I really like the idea here. You know, there was some feedback on social media when the league announced this. Well, Randy Ambrosi said he wants to take this game all around the country and he's not going too far away from Vancouver where the Lions are based, but I do think this is important because it's much different for those people in Victoria out on the island to take the ferry over and get to a game in Vancouver and have to go do all that stuff, whereas you bring this game to them in that community. I think this is a great initiative from the CFL. They can expand that stadium out there, I think, to around 10,000, if not more, with standing room on the island, and I think it's a great initiative for the league. I would like to see them perhaps have some other one-off games in other parts of the country to show their game off. I know teams don't want to give up a home game too easily. This still technically will be a home game for the BC Lions, but I think it only makes sense to move games around like this and introduce your product into a community that hasn't seen it live up close to person. Is is this more of just like, hey, we want we want to get football down on the island? Is this kind of like BC Lions want to make uh, Vancouver Island their market? Or does the CFL think, hey, as a team in Victoria down the line, uh, maybe makes sense? I don't know if the CFL is yeah. talking about that right now. I mean, Randy Abrosi seems more infatuated with Halifax, and he's been talking about the City for a number of years, and Unless he knows something I don't know, and he very well could. You know, I don't think that's going to happen in the distant future. Yeah. But in terms of the BC Lions and Victoria, I think it's about them expanding their market, mm. making the people on the island feel like they're part of this Lions family. And, and with the, the the Atlantic Canada, like obviously not going out there next year for touchdown Atlantic, they're still they still want to get something done, obviously with the mayor and, and Halifax, and but it's going to be it's going to be on the city's terms, right? Not the league. 
Yeah, it needs to be on the city's terms and, you know, potentially St. Mary's University's yep. terms and just the way that Atlantic Canadian Canadians work it needs to be on their terms. And Rosie has talked about you know, multiple times in the media that they're in talks with a very interested investor. But also said, you know, it might be coming to fish. Okay, I think that fish a bait line is just to try to put some public pressure yeah. on the people of Halifax. But here, Mike Savage doesn't care. He's running a pretty good city right now that is booming in terms of people moving into that city and wanting to live out there because the cost of living is much more affordable than some other places in Canada. So he's not focused on building a CFL specific stadium out there either. I do think there is a way to get it done out in Halifax. If you have an interested owner, St. Mary's, I think, would welcome the opportunity to use their stadium there that's in a pretty decent spot. And you have the Wanderers grounds out there as well. So CFL is certainly interested, but it has to work for all parties involved for work. Uh, in Winnipeg, Kyle Walters, uh, he's signed a, a contract extension, keeping him in place as GM for the Bombers for the next couple seasons. Uh, what, what are going to be the task of waiting him? I know Mike O'Shea mentioned that uh, a couple players might be leaning towards retirement here. Yeah, I think that we'll have to wait and see on that. Walters was asked about that as well. and said, you know, especially after losing a second straight break up with some of these veteran players that are getting up their age, it can be very frustrating, and the emotions can run high, and you can die, you know, no one's done with this game, but when you look at it, if the Bombers can keep this core intact, and I think they have some younger players that are coming along, everybody refers to Winnipeg as being the oldest team in the league, but I actually think it's a pretty good mix of sort of young, middle-aged, and guys that are older in yeah. football team. If they keep this group together, it was a group that still was good enough to win the West Division, and They've lost these last two breakups by a total of five points. Yep. Five points. We're talking about one play in each game, a blocked field goal at Mosaic Stadium, and then Cody Pajardo hitting Tyson's goal plot. Two plays away from this team winning four straight yeah. straight cups. Now, I'm not yeah. saying that they should have done that. There were chances, especially in the game against Montreal, that Winnipeg had to win that game, and especially in the game against Toronto. Zach Wilson did not play very well. I think he would do that. So, you talk about these players potentially retiring, but I think upon sober second thought and having these emotions removed, the players might rethink that. But a guy like Stanley Bryant, you would think he's getting up there in age and isn't playing to the elite level we're used to from him, but he's still pretty darn good, especially because the tackles don't grow on trees anymore. Might want to come back and give it one more shot. Yeah. Justin Dunn, Three Down Nation, joining Patrick Dumas. On the Big Show, that's part of his uh, interview. You want to hear the full thing, check it out on the Big Show podcast, wherever you get your pods. Uh, lots there with Justin. Obviously, the big news, Corey Mace, former Calgary Stampeder and former coach, uh, defensive coordinator for the Toronto Argonauts, set to become the next head coach of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Uh, finishing up the show today, reminder, it's a game day, of course, Flames and Stars, Dallas 13-5-2, Calgary 9-10-3, your expected goaltending matchup. Scott Wedgwood and Jacob Markstrom. Dallas 8-1-1 on the road this season. They had lots of success at the Scotiabank Saddledome. Coming in with a 7-1 record since the 2017-2018 season. Flames looking to bounce back on the power play, of course. They are just 2-for-25 on the power play at home this season. That is a paltry 8%. 
Same lineup for the Calgary Flames uh, as uh, they had on Monday in their win against the Golden Knights. And, of course, uh, healthy Jacob Markstrom and Chris Tanev. Good news for Flames fans heading into uh, this matchup again. 6 o'clock, Pat Steinberg. Flames warm up 7 o'clock. Puck drop with Megan Wills. Uh, Megan Wills. Megan Mickelson and Derek Wills. There you go. There. Words are hard. It's been a long day. It hasn't. Yeah. Anyways, done this long <laughs> enough. Derek Wills and Megan Mickelson on the call for the Flames and the Dallas Stars at 7 o'clock here on Sportsnet 960. Putting a wrap on the show today. Thank you to Saad Youssef and Adnan Verk for joining us. Thank you for listening, whether live or on the podcast. Really appreciate it. Thanks to outstanding producers Cam and Taylor for their great work on this Thursday. We'll be back on a Friday to cap off the week. We'll react to the Flames and the Stars and get you set for the weekend matchup with the Flames, welcoming in the Vancouver Canucks. Enjoy Real Kipper and Bourne. Flames talk coming up with Pat Steinberg. And enjoy the Flames and the Stars. This has been Sportsnet Today on Sportsnet 960. The Fan.